morning, everybody. So good to see you here today. If this is your first time here, so glad you're here. Hope you find a church home here. We'd love for you to be here. And I actually think the series we're in right now will help you in, in that process. But hey, before we get to that, uh, I want to let you know a couple things real quick happening. Um, if anybody's interested in going on a Holy Land tour next summer in the month of June, there's going to be an informational meeting here Wednesday night at 630. We'd love to see you here if you have interest in going on that trip. Also, next weekend when you come here is our big uh, uh, sign-up weekend for Life Group. So if you're looking to get in a Life Group, you be here and you come ready for that. We actually have two weekends of it in a row. Our entire lobby area out there is going to be transformed into this big Life Group sign-up area. So um, it, I just want you to know, a lot of you have asked about how do we get plugged in. Come next week and you're going to be able to, to do that. Also, I want to show you through one other thing before we get to the Word today. Um, Pastor David and I were out at the West Campus the other day and lo and behold, they were pouring concrete. I wanted to show you. Check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever have you ever clapped for concrete before? I'm gonna encourage you that now, yeah. Yeah, we we're pretty excited to see that concrete going into the ground. And, and the reason I show it to you is, is really because um, when you drive by, we're, you know, we're building a second campus out on the west side. In case you don't know, um, it's uh, right off the bypass at Highlands Boulevard exit. Problem is, when you drive by there, you can't really see what's happening yet because some of the trees and things. So I'm just showing you, there is work happening, good work happening, and I hope you keep uh, praying for that. In fact, why don't we pray about it right now? Lord, we just give you thanks for what you're doing out west. Lord, um, we're just so excited about uh, this new chapter um, in our church's life, and, and we just pray, God, that you be with those guys building the building, be with the schedule, be with uh, the resources and the supply chains and all that goes into it, Lord. We just pray for your blessing and help. Lord, we know you've been involved in this and guiding this every step of the way, and we know you'll continue to do so, but Lord, we just pray for your continued blessing over it, and we thank you, Lord, in advance for the changed lives that are going to be resulting of it. So, Lord, we thank you for everything. Thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, as I was saying, we are in a series right now that, um, that I just think is just so critical for our church family. We're calling it That Kind of Church. And um, we've been talking about, really, just very bluntly, our mission and our vision as a church family. And there's a, there's a real reason for why we're unpacking this. And one of those reasons is we've grown quite a bit as a church family. And there are some exciting things happening right now. And there's, like the video just showed, there's some very exciting things that are on the horizon for our church family. And we need to take a season and take all of this you know, together and just really make sure that we are unified and that we are aligned in uh, exactly where we are going as a church family. So we're going to talk about our mission. We're going to teach through it, clarify so that we can all be together. And I think that is such an important, important part of our church family is being together all on the same page. Um, like I just said it ago, if you're looking for a church, I can't think of a better series for you to, to be a part of than this one. Because I believe that God uh, will show you exactly where he wants you to be um, during this sermon series. You're going to have everything you need to know to kind of make a decision. Is this where I want to be? Or is this not where I want to be? And I want you to know how we feel about it. We want you to be here. So now you know how we feel. And so now you got to decide how God wants you to be. But we'd love you to be here. This is the series I think will help you. Now let me test you just a little bit, okay? If you've been with us for a couple weeks, you've heard me talk about mission and vision. Let's see how well you remember. Let's all say it together. What's our mission? We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. 
I got to work on that button back there. You guys are quick. I was going to test you. No, I'm, I'm teasing. Let's say it again real quick. Absorb. We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. And that is very much grounded and reflects very well um, what Jesus said uh, to, to his disciples. Matthew chapter 28. Let's, let's be familiar with it again. Jesus came to them and said, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we've taken all of this, and we said, what is our mission as a church? We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. And when we say that, we are very much thinking evangelistically, going to them, being available, sharing the good news. We're talking about leading somebody towards this new life in Christ. So baptizing them and guiding them down this journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. How do you do that? By getting in his word, teaching everything that Jesus taught so they can grow every day more like him. All of that is encompassed into this idea of, of leading all people to new life in Christ. Simply put, we're about winning people to Christ and helping them become more like Christ. That is our mission. And again, if you've missed any of these sermons, I beg you, I implore you, as a part of this church family, go back and listen to them because we need to be together. Now, last week, I started to unpack our vision. The elders and I here at the church began to really think through and pray through. And, we, and this is actually a process that's been going on for years, but we wanted to take some time and really write out what it is, that this vision that God has us on. And as it unfolded, it unfolded in, in, in five bullet points. Now, we didn't set out to write five bullet points. It's just... As the Lord was working on it with us, it just came out in five bullet points. And last week, I shared with you the very first of those five. They're not in any particular order, but the first one I shared with you was this. Do you remember? How are we going to accomplish our mission? That's our vision. How are we going to do it? Through life groups, Bible studies, and targeted ministry opportunities for all ages are the vehicles for discipleship in care. So what's this word discipleship? It just means becoming more like Jesus. It's the process of making someone like Christ. We're all on the discipleship journey. This whole idea of care, one of the greatest attributes of Jesus. He was defined by compassion and care. The church family should be defined by our, our compassion and our care. So as we're all on this journey, we've chosen some vehicles to help our church family um, get there. Life groups, Bible studies, and targeted ministries. Now, are these the only ways to, to, to pursue discipleship and care? Of course not. But they are things that we know we can do really well. We can have incredible life group opportunities. We can create awesome Bible studies and really the heart behind that is you need to be in God's word. We can have some of the most incredible ministries. We are focusing in on those things because as a church family, we're all on this discipleship journey and it's going to help us down that road. That was our first bullet point, if you will, of part of our vision of how we're going to lead all people to new life in Christ. Here's the second one. It should be on the screen behind me. How are we going to accomplish our mission? Through a multi-site strategy. One church meeting in multiple locations, thus making access to weekend worship and daily Christian community more accessible in our physical and digital world. And I would just like for you to take a quiet moment and read through that a couple of times so you can really absorb it. A multi-site strategy, one church, 
meeting in multiple locations, thus making access to weekend worship, daily Christian community more accessible in our physical and digital world. And like I said last week, I'll say it again, there is nothing earth shattering here about anything that I'm telling you. This vision is not breaking new grounds by any means. And if you've been around our church family for any length of time, then the words that I'm throwing out at you like multi-site should be fairly familiar to you. Even, even right as we started, I talked about our, our second campus and I showed you a video of concrete. This is something that we talk about quite often. But what is really important for us is to understand the decision that led our church family into this multi-site journey of one church in multiple locations. What I want you to be very clear is it's never been the mission of our church to become a multi-site church. That's never been the mission. But it is very much our vision. How are we going to accomplish our mission? Through this multi-site strategy. It is a vision that God has been working on us for a long time. Now, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to spell out all of that because many of you have already heard that and, um, and you know the steps and the things that triggered these decisions and why we're on this path. But what I will share with you this is if you're newer to our church family, then I want to send you to our website, newlifenwa.com. And when you open up that page, you're going to see at the top a bunch of navigation menu items. Find the one that says Go West. Click on it. And it's going to open a page. And on that page is everything that you'd, you'd want to know about our multi-site journey as a church. There's going to be videos there. There's going to be links to different things. There's, there's pictures, all kinds of stuff. But it tells the story of our multi-site journey. And I would send you there. You're going to see a video of our groundbreaking that we did last month where the elders and I were out there and we ceremonially scooped the first dirt, uh, a shovel of dirt. If you haven't seen that yet, that's on that page. Um, there is an animation of the new building out there that we're building. You can kind of do a fly-through, a computer-generated thing to kind of get a feel for what it's like. The third video you're going to come across on that website, or that on that page on our website, is this. It's a video titled, Pastor Joe Shares the Why. I know, super creative. I know. Pastor Joe Shares the Why. And it's a message that I preached here a couple years ago, and it's where I unpack the vision and all that the Lord is doing and, and why we are heading down this path and so forth. If you're new to our church family, I encourage you to watch that. It will help you get to know our church. It will help you feel like you're a part of this and, and, and the decisions that went into it. I, I just think it's an important thing to watch. Now, while I'm talking about it, let me just say this. On that page, you're going to see a bunch of our information that we had for our Go West campaign. That was our financial campaign. And I just want to take this moment to say to you, thank you for your generosity. Thank you. About a little over a year ago, we did this campaign, and your gifts and commitments over three years exceeded $1.6 million. And it was awesome. I mean, it got us down this road. Now, we still have a little bit of journey to go, but, but um, I just want to thank you for that. And I want to share something else with you. Since that moment, a little over a year ago, do you realize somewhere between 150 to 200 people have joined our church family since then? It's pretty awesome. And so some of you, even listen to me right now, you weren't even around when we did that. And so I would just like to ask you to do this. If new life is your home, I just want you to pray on that. Would you just ask God, Lord, how, how can I be a part of this Go West campaign and, and all of that? And if whatever the Lord puts on your heart, if that's something you want to do, then I would certainly encourage you to follow through on that. But, but you're going to learn all about our multi-site journey there. But you're going to hear in that sermon, the pastor Joe shares the why, all that led into it, our building limitations and our parking and all the things and adding multiple service and all that God 
God has done in the last couple of years and all that we hope he will do. And, and, and it's, you know, I, I just can't encourage you enough to, to be a part of that. Um, at the end of the day, God is leading our church to do something big. God is leading our church to do something big. And since the decision was made by the leadership of our church family to pursue multi-site as the future of our church, I can tell you that God has, since that moment, reminded us time and time again of just how good he is. In fact, um, we are reminded often we come across scripture like uh, what Paul wrote in, in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 20 that says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Since this decision was made, we can see, yes, God does get the glory. He can do immeasurably more than us. He is more capable than we are. And he shows that to us all the time. We have learned and we are reminded often that God's dreams are far grander than anything we can come up with on our own. And it's awesome. The work he's doing through our New Life family is going to outlast us all. Pastor Dave and I, when we went out to the West Campus the other day, we were talking about this very thing on the drive back. It's something that we talk about often actually here. Is that should the Lord take his time in his return? Listen, my preference would be for Jesus just to come back, all right? But if he takes his time, and if he takes a long time, then what we are about right now and what we are investing in is going to outlast all of us. And what that means is when every single one of us are gone from this world and we are in the glory of God in heaven, what we have done here is going to continue to produce disciples ongoing. And I'm telling you, when you think about what can God do and, and what he's about and he can do more, I'm telling you he can do more than long after we're gone, what he's doing continues. It's more than what we could ever dream or imagine. That is awesome. So we ask this question, how are we going to accomplish the mission of leading all people to new life in Christ? Well, through a multi-side strategy, that's how. More access to weekend worship services, more access to daily Christian community as God broadens our reach and God is going to use this church to make disciples in ways that we can't even imagine. So that's the second bullet point of our vision, a multi-site strategy. So what's the third one? I told you I'm going to share with you two more bullet points today. So here's the third one. You ready? Excellent worship services with biblical preaching. Now just read that for a minute. How are we going to lead all people to new life in Christ? Our vision includes excellent worship services and biblical preaching. What is it specifically that I'm referring to here? I'm referring to exactly what we are doing right now. Our gatherings each weekend, when we come together as a church family, in this location, a little over a year from now, it'll be in multiple locations, but we come together and we experience this incredible fellowship that we have together. We experience community with one another. We sing songs of great worship to our great God together. We share communion together. We give of our tithes and offerings in worship, and then and we teach the word of God through biblical preaching. I'm talking about when we gather together for worship. Our vision is that for those times that we are together, that they are done excellently and they are done biblically. Why? Why is that so important? Well, it's important for three reasons. One, it's important to God. It matters to him. 
Since it matters to God, it should matter greatly to us. And I promise you, it definitely matters to those who we're trying to reach with the gospel. So out in the future, I can just tell you, there is going to be a series coming on worship, all right? Because that is a subject that deserves a series all by itself. That how we worship God, not just through singing, that's just one aspect of it, but honor God and worship with our very lives. But for our purposes for right now, when we gather for worship, our vision is that when we gather, it is done so excellently and biblically. Because it matters to God, it should matter to us. And it matters to those who are trying to reach. Now let's just analyze each one of those things. It matters to God. And I want to show you biblically why it matters to God. Um, I would take you to Psalm chapter 22, verse 3. It's a great psalm. Um, and I'm actually going to show you this verse out of the King James Version of the Bible. We don't do that very often. But I like a certain word in that translation. It says this. But thou art holy. We're talking about God. But God is holy. And thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Well, I tell you, there's a lot lot of verses that I could take you to, but there's this one that I really like because it uses a word that's so descriptive about God. And that, that word in the King James Version is inhabitist. It's not a word we use a whole lot, is it? Maybe we can shorten that. The, the root word is inhabits. God inhabits the praises of Israel. When you take that, that Hebrew word that we translate inhabits, and you really look at what does this word mean in its original Hebrew language, that word means to dwell. It means to to live, to stay, to be in a place for a period of time. It inhabits, implies a longer period of time. So you, you live there, you dwell. And with that kind of understanding of this word inhabits, what kind of picture does it give of our Heavenly Father when we worship Him? Like when we're praising His name, it's like He, he inhabits that praise. He goes, I'm going to hang out with you for a while. I'm going to soak it up. I'm going to dwell here. And I'm going to listen. And it's going to be wonderful to me. I, I was just going to soak it up. So the question is, is it evident when we gather for worship that we are worshiping our Heavenly Father in such a way and with such a passion and with such purity and honesty that God's like, I love the praise of the people. I'm just going to, I'm going to be here with you and I'm just going to soak it up. Is that what God does when we gather for worship? I know it certainly is. God inhabits praise. So does God inhabit our praise? You know, I think one of the, the best examples in the Bible of, of how much the Lord likes, likes the worship and, and what he desires is actually framed in a negative example. Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem in Luke chapter 17, and he meets some guys that had leprosy, 10 of them in fact. Leprosy was a terrible, terrible disease. You weren't allowed to be anybody, around anybody, you're ostracized. And it says that in Luke chapter 17, verse 12, that as he was going into this village, 10 men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance. They called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, this would have been a big no-no, by the way, but this was a faith movement on their part as well. You go and you show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And why wouldn't he? If you had been delivered from such a terrible disease as leprosy, you would absolutely come and you would throw your feet at Jesus, which is exactly 
declare, throw yourself at Jesus for exactly what he did. He's praising God. So I get this picture that as he's chasing Jesus down, he is singing and he's clapping and he's yelling to the Lord and he's so grateful. And he comes to Jesus, threw himself at Jesus' feet, verse 16, and thanked him. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So just think about this. I mean, we could talk a long time about this, but just on a high level, think about it. Ten men had every reason in the world to come back and praise the Lord for what had happened. But only one did. And I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder if this is even just an indication of how it even works today. That God deserves the praise from every man and woman, boy and girl and child. And he deserves the praise from everybody. Yet only a small fraction of those that need to give praise to God actually do it. But I'll tell you, friends, the Lord has saved us from something far worse than leprosy. And I wonder, how often do you thank him for it? Does it show? When you're gathered with your church family, the one place where it should show the most, does it show as we express our worship? I'm not talking about raising hands. I'm just, is there just this deep sense of appreciation in our worship for what the Lord has done for us? So let me just say something. It matters to God. I could show you a bunch of places in the Bible of how it matters to God, but our worship matters to him. But you know what else? It should matter to us. It should matter to us because it matters to God. But let me tell you why it should matter to us. Because worship of our Heavenly Father is the response. It's the appropriate response to our deliverance. Do you understand that true worship begins with an event? We don't worship just for worship's sake. No, no. There, our worship, of our, it begins with an event. And if we're really going to understand, this is why it needs a whole series, you know. But if we're truly going to understand why it's so important that what we do weekend after weekend, and not just when we gather, but on a daily basis, we have to go to the very root of what worship actually is. True worship is a response to deliverance. That's it. True worship is a response to deliverance. Now, let me show you where in the Bible how this plays out. If you go back to the Old Testament, we learn all about the Israelites. And we really, the Israelites really come on to scene in the book of Exodus when they are slaves in Egypt. And you might recall the details of this. They cry out to God because they're in misery and they need deliverance. And they can't deliver themselves. They cannot escape the slavery of the Egyptians. And so they cry out to God. And the Bible's very specific. God hears their cries for help. And so God raises up a man named Moses. You might remember God calls him through a burning bush, that whole story. And then Moses goes to Pharaoh in Egypt and he says, let my people go, you know, the song. And Pharaoh says, no way. And then, and then God sends plague after plague to break Pharaoh and bring him to his knees. And then the final plague is what did it in. God sent the, the plague of the death angel to take the life of the firstborn of every family, firstborn son. And the only way the Israelites would escape this punishment is if they sacrifice a lamb and they take an innocent lamb and they spread the blood of this lamb over the doorpost of their homes, covering over themselves, would they be saved? And then God rescues them and he leads them out and they go across the Dead Sea and all of that more stuff. In fact, 
Um, we are getting ready. September 11th, we, that weekend, we are starting a whole series through the book of Exodus. Last year, we spent 26 weeks going through Genesis in a series called Origins. And where that ends is exactly where we're going to pick up in September. And we're going to go through the book of Exodus. And I think you'll be inspired by how much is there that relates to our everyday lives about the greatness of God and what he's done for our deliverance. But from that point on, when the Israelites left Egypt, it became very obvious, and God even says it, I am going to be your God, and you're going to be my people, my chosen people. And it's easy to trace through the Old Testament that at the heart of the Israelites' worship of God, it was all focused in on this deliverance act out of slavery. All of it. In fact, do you remember how the Ten Commandments start when God said, this is what you're going to, these are my commands? It says in Exodus 20, verse 2, he says, I am the Lord your God who did what? Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I did that for you. So, number one, you will have no other gods before me. Their whole relationship was God. Their whole worship was built around this act of deliverance, what God did for them. He saved them. And that whole illustration, the blood of the lamb covering the doorpost was going to all set the stage for Jesus, by the way. So Israel would worship God because they were delivered and he was their God and he took care of them. And every time we read about throughout the Old Testament when the Israelites would fall away and they'd take their eyes off God and they'd fall into idol worship, what was lost? What was lost was their worship. And it was their worship that actually drove a lot of their identity as God's people. So when they fall away, they stop worship and they, they, they stop looking like, like God's chosen people. And the Lord would have to bring them back and they would restore their worship again and their identity as God's people was restored. That's the Old Testament worship. You might surprise you to find out that our worship today, when, as we look at the New Covenant, the, the New Testament, the church age, do you realize that the foundations of our worship is very similar to the foundations in the Old Testament worship? It's in the New Testament, worship also is a result of an event. In fact, your presence here today to worship our Heavenly Father is the result of a deliverance event. Now, we're different than the Israelites. We were not rescued from slavery um, out of Egypt. But we were very much rescued from the slavery of sin. And we were saved by the blood of the Lamb that Jesus went to the cross and died there and he rose to life for our deliverance. And as that event forms the foundation for why we are here and why we would worship and why we sing such praise to God and why we dedicate our lives to him. And friends, at the end of the day, when we come to worship, it should be excellent. It should be our very best is what I'm talking about. It should be all of us. I, Lord, all of me for all of you. And all of our songs, if you look at our songs and our worship, it very much has the theme of our deliverance, what the Lord has done for us. And when we're not just saying words. We're speaking things that are reality for our lives. You saved us. You paid it all. The shed blood of Christ. All of these things are songs of praise because he delivered us. And God inhabits the praise. He dwells. He joins. I'm going to soak this up. You're right. I did do a great thing for you. I can't wait to spend eternity with you. And between those two things, I'm going to soak up praise. We're still together. 
True worship begins with an event. Our worship matters to God, and because it matters to him, it should matter to us. And, but, but finally, I want to tell you something else. This is something you, you may not really think about too much, but I'm happy to, to bring it to your attention. Our worship, specifically our worship services, what we do, and it matters to the people we're trying to reach, even if they don't know it matters to them yet. There is nothing more contagious in all the world than a Christian who knows they've been delivered from sin and turns around and praises their Heavenly Father for it. There's nothing more contagious than that. When we're talking about leading all people to new life in Christ, excellent worship service, or like, you know, all that we've got, we're all in. And biblical preaching, that's not only the right thing to do, but it's a contagious thing. What we do here on the weekends, I hope you know that we want you to invite your friends to come to church with you. We want you to be intentional, all of us in this together, to invite our lost friends and family and co-workers to church. We welcome all people here. And, 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 and we want them to see what's happening. You know, in the New Testament, we have, and we see this in Jesus' ministry, this very much, come and see what we're doing. Come and see, come and see, come and see. I hope you know that when you invite your friends to come and see what God is doing, that you're inviting them to a place where they are welcomed and they want to be here. We want them to be here. We want this environment to be so contagious, full of passionate worshipers, that they would be in this environment and be open for the Lord to get a hold of their heart. I won't ask you here, but I know there's plenty of you that your journey with Christ started by somebody inviting you to church. And being in this environment sparked something in you and God started to speak to you and to call you. So friends, there, it matters what we do here. If it's done excellently and our very best, it matters to those we're trying to reach. And honestly, inviting somebody to the church may just be the most evangelistic thing you do. And when they come, we want God to speak to them. And you can do this environment. So I could say a whole lot more on that, but I'll stop right there. And let's just kind of review for a minute. What is our mission as a church? We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. It's that simple. It's that straightforward. This, my friends, is what we are determined to do. How are we going to do it? Well, what we're going to focus our energies on as a church are going to play out like this. Life groups, Bible studies, targeted ministry opportunities for all ages. They're the vehicles for discipleship and care. We want you to know more about Jesus, learn more of the Bible, and become more like him. Discipleship. And we want you to develop the attributes. We want our whole church family to be defined by the attributes of Christ. You know, Namely, top of the list, they're all the same, but really I think our church as a Christian should be the most wonderful people that anybody ever meets. The level of compassion and care that pours out of us should be like Christ. So discipleship and care, growing more like Christ in, in every way. There's lots of ways to, to grow like Christ, but these are the areas that we're targeting. And so our desire for our whole church family is to be in a life group and or be in the word through a Bible study or, or be in one of these target ministries or all of them, but be plugged in second part of our vision is, well, how we're going to reach all people for Christ. 
through multi-site. This is a vision that God put on our hearts. One church meeting in multiple locations. And I, I want to point something out. We did not say one church meeting in two locations. Because our God can do more than we can ever hope and dream. How do we know it's two? Friends, do you realize that this just might be the first step to source something that we can't even see yet? Multiple locations. How do you know there's not three? Or four? Or five? I don't know what God's going to do. One church meeting in multiple locations, thus making weekend worship, these gatherings, in our daily Christian community, what happens throughout the week? You come up here on any day of the week, you're going to be blown away by how much is happening and how busy. Ever drive by the parking lot on a Monday morning and go, man, there's a lot of cars over there. We want them to be more accessible than ever in our physical and our digital world. And then third, through excellent worship services and biblical preaching. Now there's, there's two more bullet points that I'm going to drop on you in, in next week. But I hope you see how this vision is driving our actions. And I, and, I, and I hope that you can appreciate the clarity and what we're trying to be saying, yeah, yeah, this is that kind of church is what we're a part of. And that's what I want to be a part of. So I'll tell you, one of the things we do around here, like this, our service, it's one of the most contagious things that we do. God deserves our best. We should offer our best. And it certainly matters to those who are trying to reach and lead to this new life in Christ. So friends, I can't exactly say how this is going to impact you. You know, I, I've joked with you that this series is kind of the facts and nothing but the facts. That's how, I, you know, it's just how this series is unfolding and that's how it's coming out of me. But I hope as you receive it, I hope it inspires you. I hope you're like, yeah, yeah. And maybe you're coming from other churches saying, I never really knew what we were about. I don't think anybody knew what we we're about. We feel very strong. We know what the Lord's put our heart to. We know what we're determined to do. And we feel very clearly this is the direction that God put us in to accomplish it. And if we are all unified around this vision and mission, friends, that's an unstoppable church. And there'll be people in Bella Vista that are going to look at us crazy Christians and go, what are they doing now? And some of them will say, and I want to be a part of it. And that's a very special thing. Friends, I'd love to dialogue with you anytime about these very things, but let me pray for you. Lord, I just give you thanks and we give you praise, Lord, for our deliverance. Lord, at the end of the day, we are here, not because we did anything special, but because you did something so special for each of us. Lord, you went to that cross and you shed your blood there and you died for the forgiveness of all of our sins. And Lord, we will always praise you for it. And Lord, three days later, you came out of that grave alive. And Lord, you are alive and well to this very day. And we know, Lord, you are going to come back again one day. And so, Lord, till that moment comes, whether we meet you in the clouds one day when you return or we meet you through the passage of death, we will praise you through all seasons and all circumstances. You delivered us and you will get our praise forever. So Lord, I pray that we can capture just a little bit of what you deserve here on earth. And we know that our worship in heaven will be so grand our feeble minds can't contain it today. But Lord, while we're here on earth, Lord, I praise you. We praise you. And Lord, may this be a place 
that draws the lost so that they can be found. May we be bold disciples and where we would also go. Lord, all in all, we want you to do your great work here. And we are open to you, Lord. We are available. Lord, whatever you want to do through us, Lord, we're here and ready. And we thank you for the direction you've already provided. So God, we just give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.